The Soccer Gambling Podcast is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, and Arizona. From boosted parlays to in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today to receive a $1,000 risk-free sports bet. Download the WinBet app now by visiting wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's number one marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Check out the new PropSwap.com and use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. We're also brought to you by Prediction Strike. Prediction is the only performance-based sports stock market where you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes. Use promo code SGPN to receive a three athlete share with your first deposit of $20 or more. And of course, don't forget to download the SGPN app, your home for all of your free picks and podcasts. You are listening to your World Cup qualifying show here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. The World Cup is just 13 months away. You can follow me on Twitter on the Soccer Gambling Podcast account. That's at SGP Soccer, at SGP Soccer. I have cashed my last four three free plays in a row on that account. And right here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast, I am on a red hot lock run. In fact, overall across my Sports Gambling Podcast shows, if you include the fight show on the SGPN, I am on a 13-1 and run. Dropped a lock on uh, the podcast where my run ended with Italy, coincided with Italy's run ending, but then swept my locks on the last show as England easily covered the minus 3.5 handicap at plus money. And France did come through as the winners of the Nation League, Nations League sorry, at 4-5, to five, minus 125 yesterday. So one hell of a run, 13-1. and one. So can you imagine what we are doing over at lockbetting.com? That is my pay service. Well, I can tell you we have delivered one. 100 months in a row of transparent track profit if you want to check out the spreadsheet go to the top of the soccer gambling podcast twitter account that's once again at sgp soccer and you'll see the pinned tweet gives you the pnl for the month of september not only did we get over the line for that 100th month we absolutely annihilated it with over 41 units four thousand one hundred pound that's good for over five and a half thousand dollars go and have a look at the spreadsheet go over to lockbetting.com and look at the other spreadsheets because our 100 months of profit is completely transparent i actually got into an argument with some boxing fans fans yesterday about a a slow count in the Tyson Fury Dante Wilder fight I wasn't complaining about the actual count 
that Fury got. I was complaining about the recovery time. Overall, from the time you hit the canvas to the time you got up on that first knockdown, you can count 20 seconds. Now, bearing in mind, this guy got to his feet at seven. He was given between uh, 11 and 12 seconds to recover. That was my dispute. Obviously, you got these dickheads on Twitter because that is what Twitter trolls are. Trolling me, telling me I was a casual, telling me I didn't know anything about boxing. A guy who was absolutely annihilated boxing on the fight show, including last time between Joshua and Usyk. We gave out three winning plays for free, including Usyk to win the fight on points and two locks. But apparently I don't know about boxing, even though my view has been backed up by Andre Ward and Daniel Cormier. But in between that, I was getting... um involved with these idiots and they noticed I had a hundred months of profit and telling me this isn't possible, that I was a fraud, that I was a liar, despite the fact I post my PL and despite the fact that that comes from a lockbetting.com site where my clients have put their likes and their comments because they've been a part of this journey real people who are real winners from the service, they still dispute it. Do you know what? That doesn't bother me. All that is is adding more and more weight to my accolades. I know that I have made people a ton of money. I've been on this show, I've been on the sports gambling podcast since 2014, over seven years, and I've made people a ton of money for free. I know that I actually have 100 months of transparent track profit. If you turn around and you're so amazed by that, that you don't think it's possible, all you're doing is adding to the accolade. You're making it bigger. You're inflating my ego and you need an ego to do this. You need to believe in yourself. You need to hate losing. You need to be sour about losing. That's the difference between me and gambling Twitter frauds. I lose my money when my clients lose. I lose twice because I feel like not only have I lost money, but I feel like my people, despite the fact there's no reason to believe that, have lost a little bit of faith in me. I don't want that faith lost. I don't want my ego dented by losing plays. I want to bounce back immediately. And that's the kind of drive that you need to continue to win, win and win. I'm obsessed by it. I wake up in the morning. I start looking at sports bets. I, I immediately do that. Despite the fact that you hear these, these short podcasts and despite the fact my threads that I post out and my reasoning, and my write-ups, despite the fact that they are there, they're not particularly long. A hell of a lot of work goes into that. A hell of a lot of work goes into hiring people that have made a ridiculous amount of money uh, this season in the NFL on props. There needs to be a trial process in, in that time. You need to always be trialing new cappers that want to come on board and then trust them to, to give them a job because they could subsequently hurt your service and not help you get to that 100 months of transparent track profit. They could be a hindrance. You need to put that faith into people. You need to do all this work in the background. It's an obsessive thing. That's what these gambling Twitter frauds don't have. They just see this as a way to to con people and, and play Monopoly money. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about if you win or lose. They're not even betting it themselves. It's monopoly money. Anybody that charges $30 for a service, they're not real. They're not legit. You wouldn't be winning people money and charging them $30 for the privilege. I charge what I charge because I have the right to charge triple what I charge. I charge $125 for my top package. Do you know what I ended up winning people last month? Five and a half grand for $125 in. That's what you had to pay to win five and a half grand. I've got 100 months tracked. I'm legit. I wake up. I think about sports sports betting. I hate it when I lose. I'm a prick when I lose. I'm unbearable when I lose because I don't lose that often. And that is the significant 
different. So if you're one of these idiots going on there trying to argue with me about any sport that I cover, bear in mind that I'm obsessed with that sport. Bear in mind that I've sat there and done the work continuously. You don't have a 13-1 lot record by accident. Do you think I've done this by accident? Do you think this is the first time I've gone on this kind of run? Listen, if you sat there and listened and downloaded this show and you're a subscriber and you've been here for seven years, you know this run ain't a fluke. You know this run isn't a one-off. And I'm barely even touting it. We've got a ridiculous group of guys that have been smashing props five weeks in a row with five weeks of profit in the NFL. And they barely promote. I don't need to. Everybody that listens knows that I'm winning every single week and nearly every single day. It's a fact. It's a transparent, tracked fact. And that's all I have to say on the matter. So somebody looking at that, looking through my Twitter account and calling me a fraud and saying that this isn't going to be true. That's simply been built up by the the real frauds that exist on that app, on that Twitter, on that Twitter service, and uh, not being one of them, and having someone gaze in amazement and saying this is so unbelievable. All I say is thank you. I know it is because I am unbelievable at doing this. That's why I'm here. So let's move on here with this show as we've got a lot of World Cup games to cover here, a lot more than we have done on the previous shows because we are taking this all the way through from Monday to Friday and that includes covering a couple of uh, South American World Cup qualifying games too at the end of this show. But we begin with what we have for Monday. Monday and Tuesday we'll see European World Cup qualifying as that's looking to come to an end shortly. We begin here with a game featuring Wales. Wales are right in it with the Czech Republic for the second qualifying spot in their group. They travel to Estonia here where Wales are the 8-15 underdogs to win the game. It's 7-1 on Estonia and it's 5-2 on the draw. I don't think that is a particularly bad price on Wales, seeing Wales do need to win this game. And they're coming off what I think is an impressive result, going to the Czech Republic and getting the point. That puts Wales in a very strong position now to qualify. They're level on points with the Czech Republic and they have a game in hand, which is this game here against Estonia. A point will take them above Wales and winning, uh, sorry, above Czech Republic, and winning the game will take them three points clear, five points behind Belgium, who are going to be the runaway winners in this group. Interestingly, if Estonia win this game, uh, they will be just a point behind Wales, and uh, it will be Estonia on seven, and Czech Republic and Wales clustered on eight points with two wins, two draws and two losses, while Estonia will have two wins, one draw and three losses. Estonia have managed to put the ball in the net eight times in their five World Cup qualifying games so far. And I do think they may be able to find the net again today here against Wales. It's big, big value. Both teams to score in this game is available at big plus money here at seven to four. So you're almost getting plus 200 for pretty strong supporting data. That's why I'm talking about this more than the Wales play, which is pretty chalk. Uh, Estonia have scored twice in all of their home games here in this group. So those goals that we talked about, those eight goals, they predominantly come here at home where Estonia are actually good at finding a net. Wales conceded twice in all of their away games in qualifying so far. And Estonia have suffered heavy defeats at home to Belgium and the Czech Republic already. So you can see Wales doing enough here to win this game. But 
you can see Estonia finding the net in the game as well, given that statistical data, given the fact that they are managing to score goals at home. And uh, they'll be trying to, to win this game. I don't think they're going to sit in looking for a point or whatever. They're, they're quite close to closing this gap here. A win takes them just a point behind Wales and Czech Republic. And although I certainly don't think they'll put themselves in that qualifying position, they have to go for this game. That's going to leave gaps at the back. And I think we'll see goals in this game, which is rare for a Wales game. But I think we'll see Wales coming out as the winners of a high-scoring game. So both teams to score will be my lean here. And bear in mind, look, this is a lean at big, big plus money. I know we want to get as many picks right as we can, and there will be some chalk on this show. But given the amount of chalk and short prices I have circled here on the show, I wanted to start here with something plus money that I like. And the supporting data really tells you this isn't a 7-4 play. This, this should be closer to... Uh, even money, maybe plus one hundred, maybe a, sh- a shade of a shade of odds against here, plus one twenty max. Certainly shouldn't be sitting here at seven to four. So I really like this play on both teams to score here in this game. Up next, I jump to the Germany game here, where Germany are travelling to North Macedonia. They are the two to nine favourites to win this game. It's eleven to two to draw, and it's twelve to one on North Macedonia. This is an interesting game because North Macedonia handed Germany their most, or one of their most embarrassing defeats when they won in Germany. So this will be a revenge game here. And I think Germany will be looking for goals. And I think we'll get them here in this game. I like Germany to win. And I like to add on the over two and a half goals. This could see North Macedonia scoring in this game. But I think it would more likely be Germany covering this total by themselves. So Germany and over two and a half goals here. That's a short price of eight to 13. I also like Germany to be winning at the half and then win the game overall. This is available at four to five, which I'm surprised at because I think Germany not only win are winning at halftime and then win the game. I think they'll win both halves of this game. I think they'll be highly motivated to reverse that result and to get themselves into the World Cup. Germany have led at halftime and won at full time in all three of their away World Cup qualifiers and they have led at halftime and full time in 14 of the last 15 away World Cup qualifiers. Whereas North Macedonia have only scored one first half goal in their three home World Cup qualifiers for this 2022 campaign. So there's a good amount of supporting data there for, for Germany to be winning at half time. But look, I like Germany to be winning at half time. I like Germany to win at full time. I like Germany to score in both halves. I like Germany to win in both halves. I like Germany to, to cover a handicap. I like Germany to be involved in a game here that has more than three goals with Germany winning. I just think they avenge that loss and, um, and get this win here against North Macedonia today. So plenty of ways to bet that. You've got the, 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 uh, the data there so just go with uh, whatever you feel is the best for you up next the game i've picked out here is between romania and armenia not particularly interested in a winner more interested in the total romania available four to six to win it it's 11 to four to draw and it's four to one on armenia don't particularly love romania as a favorite uh, Romania have won two of their three home games, though, and they just narrowly lost to Germany. So I think that makes them a little bit overvalued. I'm also leaning towards the under two and a half goals here, which is priced up at 10 to 11. I think that's pretty generous, given Armenia have scored just twice in their last four away games this qualifying campaign. This is Armenia team that have lost some form after winning their first three games in the group. They are now looking like in, they're looking like they're in a position where they cannot qualify. Um, the hosts have seen fewer than three goals in four of their last five 
five games and they were involved in a cagey game where they were keeping Germany at bay for a lot of that game. They, they, they got themselves ahead. They nicked an early goal and sat on it for a pretty long time. Germany didn't even come close to covering any kind of handicap in that game. They had to scrap to a 2-1 win. And bearing in mind the attacking players that Germany have, Armenia don't have that at their disposal. So I really do think that they, um, they'll be kept at bay here by Romania and this will be a low-scoring cagey game as both teams still have pretty faint chances of making the World Cup. North Macedonia are actually the team sitting here in second place and you would expect them to lose to Germany. So the door will open up here for either one of these teams. If either one of these teams win it, they will leapfrog North Macedonia in second place. Armenia on 12 points at the moment, starting with those three wins, and Romania are on 10 points. So Romania can leapfrog two teams by winning this game, getting themselves into second place. Bear in mind... They only played 10 World Cup qualifiers, so they'll be two games away from qualifying. There's no way if Germany win that North Macedonia can maintain their place. So even a draw will see Armenia leapfrog them and Romania go one point behind them. So that's why I think it will be a cagey game. Romania have only conceded eight goals in their seven games and Armenia have conceded 10 goals in their seven games. Now that sounds like a lot because it is more than a goal a game, but don't forget Germany are in this group and Germany have already battered Armenia. They beat Armenia 6-0 in Germany. So when you're looking at this Armenia team and you're looking at the fact they've conceded eight goals, well, six of them were in one games. So conceding uh, just two goals in your other six matches means you're a solid defensive unit. And we know what Romania are. Yeah, they shipped two goals to Germany, but in the other game they played against Germany, they only conceded once. So two solid defensive teams here, strong lean on the under. That's why I've picked this one out here for this show. Up next, we move on to Tuesday's games and we look at England here. They're at home to Hungary. The last game that England played Hungary resulted in the Hungarian fans being banned. There was a whole racism issue that, that escalated and it resulted in uh, Hungarian fans being banned from the home games. England will somewhat be looking for revenge, I guess, for that. And I expect a very strong England team here, bearing in mind that uh, the the fringe players played against Andorra and they successfully cashed our lock for us. They want the seven to win. It's 11 to two to draw and it's 22 to one on Hungary. My play here would be to England to win this game without conceding. I think they'll dominate the ball. I think they'll dominate the chances. I don't think Hungary will get near the goal. Uh, Andorra didn't even have a shot on target. But obviously, there's a big difference between Andorra and Hungary. But England just haven't been conceding as of late. And they've been scoring a lot more as well. So England and over two and a half goals here is worth a look. Or even England and over two and a half team goals if you want something for plus money. England have won six of their seven group games so far. Hungary have lost three of their last four, including a 4-0 loss to England. Uh, England have averaged over three goals per game in this group and they've scored 32 goals across their last seven home qualifiers. Hungary had definitely got a hangover from the Euros where they had a 2-2 a draw against Germany, one all against France. However, they've not been able to turn up here, losing three of their four games since that tournament. And um, it's probably going to end up costing them a place in the World Cup because they look like they're out of position now, down in fourth place. They're five points behind Albania, who's surprisingly in second, just four points behind England. So England will need to continue winning. Um, the most important stat here for taking England to nil is the fact that they've only conceded two goals 
goals so far in this group from the seven matches played. They've won six, drawn one, lost none with 19 points, 23 goals scored and just two goals conceded. One of those were away to Poland, which is a difficult place to go. So... I don't think Hungary uh, are going to do much here at Wembley. Uh, They're a team I think England uh, will brush aside just like they did in Hungary. So looking for a comfortable win here for England where Hungary don't really get too near that England goal. England to win to nil available four to six minus 150 here for this game. Up next, we'll move on to Portugal at home to Luxembourg. Portugal unbackable here as a 1 to 12 favorite. It's 9 to 1 on the draw and it's 28 to 1 here on Luxembourg. Obviously, Portugal are going to win this game, but I think it's going to be an easy one where they don't concede a goal much like we just gave out for the England game. They have won their last four internationals. And they've kept clean sheets in their last two. They are unbeaten in their last 18 home World Cup qualifiers, winning 14 of them. And they've got 13 clean sheets. Very, very strong data. Porto, uh, sorry, Porto. Portugal have won all 11 previous meetings with Luxembourg and they've kept a clean sheet in nine of them. And this Luxembourg team have lost eight of the last 12 starts, failing to score in six of those games. So Portugal to win to nil here, available at a slightly worse price than we just took on England. They're available at 16 to 25. But I like the play here. Obviously, if you're taking a unit on that, you're going to end up with a £64 or $64 profit, whatever. I think that's well worth a bet. Cannot see Luxembourg troubling the Portuguese goal here. So both of those plays uh, to nil, I think are strong ones here. Uh, Probably going to take the lock in that direction, probably going to pick a lockout from one of those two games as I think England and Portugal have um, comfortable evenings on Tuesday night without conceding a goal. The most interesting game here on Tuesday is probably between Sweden and Greece. Sweden here are available as the 10 to 11 favourites. It's 23 to 10 to draw and it's 18 to 5 on Greece. Now, this is a very important bet for clients over at lockbetting.com. We just took a hedge on Sweden to win their group. We're actually doing a, um, a World Cup group winners parlay and the only team in danger is Spain. But at the moment, Spain are priced up as significant favourites to win the group with Sweden available as a three to one hedge. Sweden could very, very easily win this group. All they would need to do is win this game against Greece win their game against Georgia and they would either need a favour from Greece against Spain where Spain are travelling to Greece and that's a tough place to go because Greece are unbeaten in this group or they they would need themselves to avoid a defeat against Spain. If Spain win all of their matches then obviously that means they win a head-to-head against Sweden then they will end up winning the group. So for Spain to win this group they need to win out but they've got two tough games. They're at home against Greece Sorry, sorry. They're at, uh, they travel to Greece. They travel to Greece. They have to win away to Greece. And then they have to win at home to Sweden. They're going to need to win both these two games to win the group. Greece are unbeaten in the group so far. And Sweden already got a draw against Spain in the Euro 2020 campaign, in the in the group stages. They got a nil-nil draw in Spain because those original group games were played in Spain. So they've already shown they can do that. In fact, they've beaten Spain here in this qualifying group as well, which is why they are in a good position to win it. But obviously, winning this game against Greece is key. And for Greece, despite the fact they're unbeaten, they've got too many draws so far. So they now need to start winning games. Despite having a pretty decent campaign in terms of being at this stage with uh, five games played and not having a single loss 
and obviously beating Sweden here in the reverse fixture. That was a very, very big result for Greece. They still probably need to win this game in order to qualify. They'll need to win this game and they'll need to get something from the Spain game. So I think this is actually going to be a wide open game where you could see both teams finding the net. You could see it being over two and a half goals. But I think the wide open game suits Sweden. They showed in the Euros that they were a very, very solid attack, uh, counter-attacking unit. And I think if Greece tried to plough forward, this could result in their first defeat. At the same time, if it's getting late on in the game, I do think Sweden are going to make an attempt to win it. For me, this is somewhat of a hedge play as well. If anybody was on that that big parlay that we gave out, uh, we actually ended up playing a group winner's parlay for 10 units. So we are seriously having to look at a hedge here. We can do it in many different ways. We can start by having a hedge for stake. So that would be taking a couple of units on Sweden at 3-1 to one to reduce the loss overall if they do win the group. And then, of course, we'd be looking at a money line play here. The good thing about hedging in two ways is that you can win this money line play on Sweden and you can also still win the future without Sweden winning the group. So, yeah, if they win this money line play, you cash the money line play and then Sweden uh, and Spain end up winning out by winning in Greece and then beating Sweden, you cash... The, the big long-term future and you cash a little bit here on the money line as well, which covers your, um, your two unit hedge on Sweden to win the group as your, as your cover for Spain messing up your parlay. This may all sound complicated to you guys. It's certainly not complicated to my clients. Um, it, it shouldn't be complicated at this point in time. If you're regular listeners, uh, you should be able to take this advice on board. You should be learning a little bit about hedging. Um, if you're over at lockbetting.com, you're pretty much taught all of this stuff. It's not just a service where you tail the picks. I am there available 24-7 to talk to people. And you do end up getting stuff like this where you're advised on, on what to do. You're taught about hedging situations, things like that. I think possibly I teach people too much because that, for me, is the only reason why people leave because they're, they're taught how to do everything and... Uh, they possibly leave and think they can go on and do it by themselves. But let me tell you one thing, um, nearly 90% of people that leave my service end up coming back. So despite the fact that I... um I like to teach people as much as I can. It can be it can be a detriment to me. But this is one of the things that's really important. Hedging. You've got a 10-unit play, which we, we don't ever have 10-unit plays. Let me say that as well. I'm not somebody that throws out these five-star plays, 10-star plays, 20-unit whales. This is not the kind of bullshit I do. But when it's a big future like this, it's one of those rare occasions where I'm willing to put out a 10-unit future. It's going to take a year and a half to cash. But ultimately, I feel I have a very, very strong position on the result. We stand to actually make 14 units from winning this play. So hedging out two units to get your stake back here or part of your stake and then taking a separate hedge here on Sweden on the money line. I have no issue doing that. If you're not one of my clients or you or you weren't involved in this bet or whatever, um, just as a separate bet completely going in blind as a, as a brand new client, I still think that Sweden will win this game here on the money line. I just think the situation suits them. I think it's a very, very important game and winning this will put a lot of pressure on Spain and subsequently it will probably end Greece's chances of going to the World Cup. So Sweden on the money line here, decent price of 10 to 11 minus 110. To add to that, uh, Sweden have a 100% record so far at home in qualifying. They've won every single home game. And as I said, that involves beating Spain. So if you're capable of beating Spain on your own turf, 
you should be stronger favourites here to beat Sweden. So, as I said, once again, minus 110, 10 to 11. A good price here on Sweden on the money line here at home to Greece tomorrow night. So now we're going to move over to a couple of uh, South American qualifiers. What's interesting about these South American qualifiers is the fact they are happening on Thursday and Friday. Or for you guys in the US, they'll all be happening on Thursday. For me, it says Friday because um, they're happening after midnight on on, on Thursday, so it becomes Friday. Um, That means that these players, if they play for... um, Premier League clubs or or whatever clubs they play for, if they play for European clubs, they won't be coming back for those games. I don't understand how or why FIFA have allowed this, but it's going to have a big impact at the weekend. When you look at maybe a team like Liverpool, who are going to be missing their goalkeeper, they're going to be missing Fabinho, they're going to be missing Firmino, Manchester City are going to be missing Edison, they're going to be missing Gabriel Jesus. There's, it's just a big, big impact that it makes. It's very odd that uh, this has happened. It's not something that we've seen before. Obviously, COVID has very much changed the game, but I don't think that's an excuse for allowing this to happen. The clubs, at the end of the day, are the ones that pay the big fat salaries of the players. It isn't the country. So this really shouldn't be a thing. We shouldn't be on this show talking about these international games impacting uh, Premier League games or, or games around Europe at the weekend because certain players are going to be missing because they're involved with their international teams uh, on or in games that are very close to the, the fixtures or the day before the fixtures that they're playing for their league clubs. That's just ridiculous. That shouldn't be happening at all. So, I mean, some could argue that the, the Premier League could have um, reorganised games or moved games to a Sunday or, or Monday for for these players. But that's also, for me, that's equally ridiculous that you're moving games around. Plus, you've got Champions League starting immediately afterwards. There is no break. And that kind of adds a little bit of weight to what Thibaut Courtois says. Thibaut Courtois was interviewed after the third and fourth place playoff and he just completely went off on FIFA and UEFA. It was absolutely brilliant to hear somebody say that. And a lot of people in the comments that I saw, this was posted on social media, were attacking him going, oh, poor players, you get paid so much, you can't play twice a week, I have to go to work five days a week. But he is talking about injuries. But whereas it's difficult to have, to have sympathy for people when they when they earn a certain amount of money, I think that there is a valid point there that, okay, they might not get injured and okay, they should really play as often as they're told to and uh, you'd much rather be a footballer than be working at a factory but the standard of the game goes down as as fitness goes down these players do need more than two or three weeks to recover that is a little bit ridiculous that we're trying to look at making the world cup every two years and, and then playing the european championship every two years so making sure there's an international tournament every summer we already get a massive hangover and a, and a bunch of weird results from from players that are aren't quite right and already we're getting the the situation where the international players are the better players so they go and play for their countries they come back they've had less time to prepare so the big teams are more affected by it and then it's also the big teams that play the Champions League so while the the smaller teams are sitting on their ass the big teams are going off to World Cup and Euros then they're coming back they're having a reduced pre-season a reduced break and a shorter pre-season and then they have to go and play Champions League and, and Europa League while the other teams get a rest obviously this at some point would be an equaliser. But it's interesting because when you're looking at a team like uh, a Newcastle, for example, next season, who are going to get a massive cash injection 
from their new owners. Now, they're not going to get European football this year. Their owners are not going to be able to invest enough in January in order to change this team. But Newcastle are going to be interesting, at least in terms of being able to qualify for the Champions League for the 2022-2023 season, because they're going to end up buying a whole load of players who are going to be able to make an impact and possibly make this team Champions League contenders. And they're going to have a massive rest advantage because they're not going to be playing European football. So they're going to be a team that are solely focusing on 38 Premier League games and doing what they can with them with a uh, massive cash injection in January and then an additional £300 million of new players coming in in the summer. I uh, actually want to talk a lot more about the Newcastle situation. People have asked me about it already in my in my group chats and on Twitter. I'm going to talk about that at the start of the EPL show this week. So I'm not going to go too deep into Newcastle. I just really wanted to get into this crazy international scheduling situation off the back of what Courtois said and the fact that these South American teams are playing games and players are going to be missing for their league clubs at the weekend. Um, I want to play the Courtois bit and then I'm going to move on to the couple of South American qualifiers that I want to cover. So here's Thibaut Courtois talking about the the fixture congestion and the fact that players are inevitably going to get injured because of FIFA and UEFA. This game is just a money game and we have to be honest about it. This game, uh, we just play it because for the UEFA it's extra money and it's an extra game on TV. This just shows that we play too many games in June again for Nations League games. Why? Uh, next year we have a World Cup in uh, in November. We have to play maybe until the latter stages of June again. Uh, we will get injured, you know, and nobody cares about the players anymore. And we in June, uh, after a long season, you will have to play four games in the Nations League again. Uh, you will have three weeks of holiday, and that's not enough for players to be able to continue 12 months of, of on the highest level. And if we never are gonna say anything, it's always the same. They don't care about the players. They just care about their pockets, and that's uh, that's a bad thing. If, if players uh, are not not spoken about, you know, and then you hear that now they want to uh, put a European Championship and a World Cup every year. Like, when when will we get a rest? Never. If we're not robots, uh, uh, yeah, it's just more and more games and less rest for us and uh, nobody cares about us. So, yeah, that's it. Okay, so we'll move on to the, the South American games I, I want to look at there. They feature Argentina and Brazil. First of all, Argentina against Peru. Argentina are the 3-10 to favourites here. It's 4-1 to on the draw, and it's 17-2 to here on Peru. I think this is going to be another game where Argentina just do what they need to do and continue on this uh, crazy undefeated streak that they are currently on. They themselves now haven't lost a game for 24 games and I certainly don't think they're going to lose at home to Peru. I think they'll find a way to win this and I think they'll find a way to keep another clean sheet. It's becoming very, very difficult to score against this Argentina team with Messi up top and being disorganized at the back with a number of clean sheets they've kept as of late you have to consider them as as legitimate contenders now for the World Cups bearing in mind that they have just won the Copa America as well this Argentina team have kept seven clean sheets in the last nine games, they only conceded in two games in the Copa America, also conceding only two goals. They've now kept three clean sheets in their last three World Cup qualifiers, and I see no reason why they don't keep another clean sheet here. To err on the side of caution, I'm going to go with Argentina to win and 
under four and a half goals here for this game. That one is available here at eight to 13. It is the more cautious play because it stops you from, from being, having the bet ruined by Peru scoring a fluky goal via deflection, penalty, set piece, whatever. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I feel pretty certain that Argentina are going to win this game with a clean sheet. And if you want to take that bet, Argentina to win to nil is available for this game at the price of 10 to 11. And I think that represents very good value seeing this team have kept those seven clean sheets in the last nine and haven't conceded in their last three qualifiers. Moving on to the final game, it's Brazil at home to Uruguay. Brazil here are the three to five favourites and it's 11 to on Uruguay and 14 to five on the draw. Uruguay just coming off a 3-0 loss away to Argentina. They are a team who have had a pretty mixed qualifying campaign. They're still sitting in fourth place just above Colombia. 11 played, 4 wins, 4 draws, 3 wins, 16 points, 13 scored, 13 conceded. Whereas Brazil are the runaway leaders. They're well ahead of Argentina here by 6 points. That's because Argentina have won 6 out of 10 during 4 uh, with 18 goals and 6 conceded. And Brazil have scored 22 goals in their 10 matches, conceding only 3. So I see another KG outing here. Uruguay will be looking to take a point. I think Brazil will end up getting the breakthrough here in this game. And I like Brazil to win to nil. That is available at big plus money here at 13 to 10. Um, you can take the same play that I would advise as the cautious play from the last game, which is Brazil with the under four and a half goals. And that play is available at seven to 10 for this game. So similarly, when we're looking at the European games, I said England and Portugal are in similar situations. They should win against teams comfortably on Tuesday where they keep clean sheets. I feel the same way about Brazil and Argentina. Obviously, Argentina have got the easier game here. Brazil are playing against Uruguay, who are an established South American superpower. However, they're an Asian team. You hear Uruguay, you think of Suarez, in Cavani, but you're thinking about players well into their 30s. There's not too much there for the next generation of Uruguay. So this could really be the last World Cup where they are in any way relevant. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens to a team like Uruguay. When you're looking at a team like Portugal, for example, with um, with Ronaldo moving on or Argentina with Messi moving on, it leaves a hole. But you can see that they have the players coming through. They've got Martinez in, in Argentina. They've always got a, a decent crop of youngsters around Europe. And with Portugal, they've got a load of talent. Whereas they haven't got that out-and-out striker that will replace Ronaldo, you'd be looking at maybe Jao Felix going into that position and playing more of a false nine than Ronaldo is. The team will have to change, but you can still see quality there. You cannot see it here for a team like Uruguay. So it's concerning for them if you're a Uruguayan supporter or Uruguayan. And um, here in this game, I think Brazil win with a shutout, much like I do feel that Argentina do as well. The lock's going to come from one of those two games from the European slate on Tuesday, either Portugal via clean sheet or England via clean sheet. I'm going to go with Portugal. Doesn't mean that in any way... The England play is significantly weaker. It's just a case of England actually having defenders out in that position. John Stones is a little bit rusty, hasn't played too much football for Manchester City this season. Harry Maguire is out. And uh, if there's any team I think are more likely to score out of Hungary and Luxembourg, I would slightly lean towards Hungary because of their performances in the Euros. But I think England win with a clean sheet comfortably and... Uh, I also think Portugal do as well. I think this game in particular, as far as for a lock, has stronger supporting data. I will run through it here once again. 
Portugal have been solid since they came back for the Euros. They did not look defensively great there, but now they have won their last four internationals, keeping clean sheets in their last two. And they are unbeaten in their last 18 home World Cup qualifiers, winning 14 and keeping a clean sheet in 13, winning all 11 of their previous meetings with Luxembourg and keeping a clean sheet in nine of those. And Luxembourg have lost eight of their last 12 and they have failed to score in half of those games. So strong lock here in this game, Portugal to win to nil. And that one here is available at four to seven, widely available at four to seven. I think I quoted a, a different price earlier when I was running through that game. That was the best price. Let's quote it at four to seven so people can find it very easily. Chalky lock here on the shows. We look to continue that, that lock run, but all of my other plays will be officially released over at lockbetting.com. We've just come off a strong weekend in soccer where we've gone seven, one and one. And we look to keep that momentum going before we head to the weekend's return of domestic soccer that's it for me good luck with all of your bets as always and thanks for listening